Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Faith Focus Weekly Discipleship Podcast. My name is Kevin Rognes, and I'm the Discipleship Director here at Faith Covenant Church. And as always, I'm very thankful that you're choosing to watch or listen today. And I just want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, whether you're on YouTube or on any of the other major podcasting platforms, to make sure that you never miss any episodes. So always encourage you to do that. And again, always thankful. Today we're talking about a lot of children's ministry because we have a lot going on that's launching here in the next few weeks. Yep. And so it's, I think it's really important that we talk about that so you know how to be praying for it and just so you know what's going on so that you can get involved in whatever way you and your family need to get involved. So I'm not the expert on that, so yep. I thought I should bring in the expert. Okay. So this is Sarah Sosa. Yeah, She's our <laughs> children's pastor, and I'm very excited. This is your first time on our podcast. It so. is my first time. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. So we love Sarah. How, when did you start at Faith again? Um, a year and a half-ish ago. This okay. was January of 2021. Okay. 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Yeah. It's been a while then, so. Yeah. And how did you, let's just kind of get to know you a little bit. Okay. How did you end up getting into ministry? Oh, that's kind of a funny question. So I grew up uh, in a Missouri Synod Lutheran church, so I never saw a woman um, in leadership do what I do, like here at Faith and what I've done at other churches. So it never occurred to me to be a pastor. I um, did my undergrad degree at UW-Madison, and... I actually triple majored. That sounds really <laughs> ambitious. It does. It's totally not. Um, I mean, double majoring was ambitious for me, so triple no, majoring seems daunting. It was, it was super selfish. So it was English history <laughs> and medieval studies, and the only reason is I wanted to go on the study abroad program to England, and they had a history majors exchange program. So I had already declared as an English major, but I declared myself a history major so I could apply for the exchange program, and then I got it. Mm -hmm. But I love medieval stuff, so most of my English classes and art classes and languages and history were all all qualified for the medieval studies. So when I came back and met with my advisor for senior year, she said, you know, you're like two classes away from triple majoring. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> so I just happened to take French and I just happened to take Latin. So anyway, I, I there you have it. How do you just happen to take Latin and for, like? Well, did I you took, trip on the way into the no, classroom building and French land in high Latin? School, and so you just continued, <laughs> okay. you know. And then I just thought it would be fascinating to take Latin, and it really was. They taught us how to swear in Latin, though. I don't know, sketchy <laughs> schools. But anyway, um, it, it was it was uh, it was great, and I just assumed I was going to go on to teach. Like I, I had in my mind that I was going to be a college professor and. I had been working at Covenant Pines Bible Camp in the summers all through college, and after I graduated, I had one more summer at Pines, and I um, got one by one four rejection letters <laughs> come through the mail while I was up for staff training week, and it was really devastating. It was the first time I had reached for something graduate school and not gotten it, mm -hmm. and that, that causes you to recalibrate a lot of things. And um, by the end of the summer, um, you know, to came this opportunity to go to North Park. And I thought, yeah, I could do that. And I guess I was thinking I would do camping ministry. It was the only kind of ministry I knew. Mm -hmm. um, and when I started there, there was a church that asked if I would come part-time do youth ministry with them so I could take their high schoolers to the national conference, okay. which was called Chick at the time. It's not called Unite. But anyway, um, that's how I got into youth ministry. So I started doing youth ministry first uh, for 13 years and then Plymouth Covenant Church called and asked me to consider their children's position. I said, why are you calling me? I'm a youth pastor. <laughs> They're like, well, we got your name from somebody. And 
way you look at it. And so we just thought, well, we'll enter the process and see where it goes. And next thing I knew, I was doing children's ministry at Plymouth for 15 years and then, then came here. Then came here. So, yeah. So it was just a series of that door closes, this one opens, close, open, close, open. And you just go, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> And always and unexpected as God is almost yeah, completely. always And I remember my us. dad, this will make, make you laugh because, you know, you, you're a, you do ministry. My dad's big concern was um, he didn't think that being a pastor would be challenging enough. <laughs> Is that cute? <laughs> so, okay. I, mean, I, I don't get that logic, but you okay. have to understand. My dad wasn't a Christian. He didn't become a Christian until I was in um, like senior year of high school. Okay. Um, so he grew up kind of agnostic for quite. Well, he grew up Methodist, but he became agnostic through his college years and. Um, he's a big intellectual, so okay. he just thought it wasn't going to be intellectually challenging for him. <laughs> but he thinks differently now. <laughs> so. Yes. Anyway, that's how I got into ministry. Yeah, and then so then how did you get from Plymouth Covenant to Faith Covenant? Yeah, you know, um, my years at Plymouth Covenant were fantastic. Like, literally, my kids grew up at Plymouth Covenant. Emma was in kindergarten when we started there. Mateo was in the nursery. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was a great place to land as a family and to do ministry. And that church grew exponentially. The ministry grew. Things shifted and changed. Um, and then I think as a whole, children's ministry um, started to trend toward family ministry, mm -hmm. recognizing we had a growing generation of parents that didn't really know what it looked like to disciple their kids. A lot of them hadn't been discipled themselves or hadn't grown up in the church. And it was a whole different starting place for, for helping families and mm. kids grow in Jesus. And so I felt like God was calling me in one direction. Plymouth was full steam ahead in the same direction they had been in. And it just was sort of this diverging of paths. And I was feeling the discontent of that. And it just took a while before I finally heard from God, it, that's okay. I'm mm -hmm. calling them to one thing and I'm calling you to something else and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so then I felt like I could open myself up to another opportunity. I guess I was sort of thinking if I left Plymouth, it would, it would be because I hated it. You know, like, <laughs> like it yeah, had to yeah. be like a bad thing. Like yeah. they're bad. And so this, this permission to realize, no, they're great. They're a great church. They're yeah. doing fantastic ministry. But God was just calling me out of that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, to here. And so that was the, that was the landing point. And I'm super grateful. It's, it's uh, this church uh, aligns with my philosophy for ministry in this season uh, better than Plymouth did. Sure. Left, so. And so how would you describe your role here, what you do here at Faith Covenant? Yeah, so I was brought on as a children's pastor um, in the middle of COVID. <laughs> so, I mean, this has just been <laughs> Great odd. time to just jump I, into I new things, right? <laughs> and actually, Faith wasn't meeting in person when I started here. They mm. started like a month, uh, you know, maybe a month or two after I came. So it was. It's just a, a whole lot of uh, challenge to try to do ministry for people you haven't met. Yeah. You know, you don't know who they are. They don't know who you are, and so trying to get to know families who were staying in the virtual space and still are, and and other families who were here in person, and who are the volunteers and all that kind of stuff. It was just work, um, in a in a real kind of odd way, like a an odd on, onboarding experience, but good still, um, and just. Uh, just trying to look at what what faith's history has been with kids and families and where we needed to go. But every time I asked that question, it really 
seemed to matter who I asked it of, the answer I got was, well, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. And I was like, freedom. Okay, like, can I really do whatever I want? You know, like, I'm not right. quite sure. That, and like the, the rule of thumb they bang into your head when you switch churches is don't change anything for a year. Like, like mm. it's like ministry suicide if you go in and, and fruit basket upset and change everything. Right. Yeah, that's what Faith was giving me permission to do. Yeah. And so I was kind of like, uh, I don't think I can do this, you know. And, well, I think that's part in part just because everything was changing anyway. Right. Like, regardless of right. whether who it was, yep. it was in the midst of COVID, everything was changing anyway. Yeah. So it was a rethink across the board and all ministry sectors. Children and Family Ministries was particularly challenging because we can't do anything unless an adult gets a kid in front of us whether that's in person or in front of a tv screen or or a computer screen or whatever and so um there was that extra added challenge to trying to do ministry in in that strange season that we all lived through plus our parents of children were super overloaded Mm -hmm. uh, with online school and the back and forth and i have to take a week off because my kid was exposed to covid and you know, just the family reroute that people yeah. experienced and are to some extent still experiencing um, just really changed their capacity to engage. So it's not even the desire to engage, but it's the capacity. Yeah. And we spent two years changing our rhythms and, um, and picking and choosing and some things weren't available to us, so we stopped doing them and now we don't do them, right? So, <laughs> so it's trying to get people sort of back in the rhythm. So that's a little bit what I'm doing is just trying to, to still get to know kids and families, still uh, get to know the strength of our volunteer team and they're fantastic, just mm-hmm. fabulous. And, um, and build a new direction and kind of get a new vision. And in this interim period with without a youth pastor to include youth ministry as a piece of that sort of strategic vision work too of from birth through high school, what are we doing? And making sure that every step of the way it makes sense and every step of the way we're partnering with families. Um, I recognize, you know, <laughs> at best, maybe I get 40 hours a year mm. with somebody's kid. Yeah, you know, between a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night, but parents have like three thousand hours. Yeah, you know, like the it's not even comparable. So, for me to try to do ministry in a vacuum with just children and not include the family piece is it. It, it really has led us to where we are now, which is a whole generation of kids walking away from church and not coming back to it. Mm-hmm. So, I definitely think there's a partnership there. I think our parents are overwhelmed. I think the church can come alongside that and help. That's stuff I love to do. I love um, communicating with parents, talking with parents, and 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 uh, <laughs> sort of helping them see that this faith stuff isn't really as complicated as it feels like it is. Mm, yeah. right? Helping your kids think about Jesus, talk about Jesus, include Jesus in their everyday, and the everydayness of life is actually easier than we think. Mm-hmm. And when you can communicate that, you, you can visibly see parents relax. Yeah. And that feels like a big win to me. So. Yeah. Anytime people are feeling relaxed, that's right. a step in the right direction. Right. Well, for especially sure. when we're all like vibrating up here still, yeah. you know, with just the stress of of life as it is. Um, and we feel incompetent. I, I think that's just the human condition. Like oh, yeah. you, you just, you feel like you're not good enough um, in almost any arena of life. And so if somebody come along alongside you and can say, actually, you are good enough. Yeah. Right. You are the right person for your children to know and love Jesus. God set it up that way. Yeah. Right. You have what it takes to lead your kids to Christ. Um, 
th that that whole conversation, that partnership between the church and home is, uh, I think, is really beautiful. Mm. And big surprise, it was God's plan from the beginning, right? <laughs> Shocker. So, wow. When we do things God's way, it works. What? <laughs> what a novel concept. So weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, that's that was a long answer to your no, it's great. question, but yeah. Yeah, so and well a lot of what you were saying is kind of just talking about what we talk about on the on the podcast as discipleship. You're really talking about yeah, yeah. families discipling kids. And so what are some of the things that we're offering families yeah, yeah. this year starting this fall? So like let's maybe talk about like Sunday mornings first. Sure. What are we doing Sunday mornings to help empower families and help kids grow closer to Jesus? Yeah. So looking at this partnership, there are certain things that parents can do at home, or grandparents for that matter, yep. or any other caregiver or adult caregiver can do Adults, in a home setting uncles, that aunts. the church can't replicate. Mm -hmm. And there are things that I can do at church that you'd have a hard time replicating at home. So that's where you try to capitalize on this partnership. So one of the things, the girl hour classes, right? Mm -hmm. Sunday school, you know, in, in old terms or whatever, but um, to have age uh, graded classes um, starting from birth and going on up through our adults is important. That's a place where the church can provide some good age-specific learning. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're thinking about kids, you've got preschoolers learning at a preschool level, elementary kids learning at an elementary level, and digesting the stories of Scripture um, in the right ways. For our preschoolers, it's really the themes. You want them to, to know that they're made by God, that they're loved, and that Jesus wants to be their friend forever. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. you have a forever friend in Jesus. That's a big deal to preschoolers. So... We teach around those themes, mm -hmm. uh, but by the time they get to elementary, we really want to be building this biblical foundation. And whether or not that's happening at home, if it is happening at home, then what we do strengthens that. Mm -hmm. If it's not happening at home, then we're providing a foundation that they otherwise might not have. And so you teach the stories. It's the narrative of the Bible and trying to put them in an, in an order that makes sense where they get this bigger picture of what it is that God's doing um, from creation you know, out to eternity and how they fit into it, right? It's mm -hmm. a big story, and we all love story, so it works really well. Um, so just having those age-specific classes on Sunday morning, I think, um, is super helpful, because then, you know, your kids are with their peer group, that's where they can build some friendships that might really matter down the road in middle school and high school um, and beyond, and um, just, you know, every parent <laughs> wants the right people around their kid, right? Mm -hmm. And on a Sunday morning, you're going to get the right people around your kid. Yeah. You're going to get some good friends around them, and you're going to get some really great teachers um, and volunteers around them, too. So I think, and at the same time, we've got stuff for adults. So we do have parent, we'll have a parenting uh, focus class again this fall. Um, that one's going to be looking at uh, what uh, Lifeway did a research project back in 2016 and then evaluated their data and came out with a book. And... It highlights the 10 uh, characteristics that are the top influencers for lifelong faith. Mm. So we're going to look at those 10 characteristics uh, with our parents and help them imagine how can they can incorporate those things in the, in the life of their home um, so that they're positioning themselves well as a family uh, to grow and follow Christ. So we'll have that class. Um, but there are other options for adults too on Sunday morning. So that that that's one way that I think we're coming alongside kids and families on Sunday and then worship of course um, I know this might feel still like a little bit of a controversial call um, we had last year elementary kids in worship 
um, for the full service. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this summer, we switched and we've had them coming out at, at the message time. And the reason why we did that is because we didn't have a grow hour in the summer. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have any contact time with them unless we brought them out of worship. Sure. Uh, so we've opted to do that so we would have that contact time with them. But now when we transition back to fall, the contact time goes back to the grow hour at 9 o'clock, which means our elementary kids will go back to being in worship for the full service at 10.30. Um, there's a really important reason for that, and I know that I know it takes time to learn those patterns and for kids to feel comfortable in the sanctuary, for parents to feel comfortable having their kids in the sanctuary, and all that. And I just would encourage people to to keep working on it, keep keep um, sticking with it, because when your elementary kids realize that they're an important part of the body of Christ, mm-hmm. that's gold. Yeah. Right. Like in terms of feeling like they're an important part of of what's happening here at faith specifically, but the larger picture of God's kingdom. And that's the primary reason for having mm-hmm. kids in the worship service. So they, they learn the language of the people, so to speak, but mm-hmm. they, they see their parents worshiping, but they also see the person across the aisle and the person over there and all generations mixed together and they're hearing some teaching. Now, is every kid gonna grab a hold of every part of the service the way an adult would? No. Of course not. <laughs> um, but it's getting in there somewhere. I will mm-hmm. never forget, um, my kids went through worship growing up and we allowed them to bring a, like a sketch book with them um, and their favorite coloring in, in instruments, Mateo's, uh, were colored pencils. And he was you know, maybe first or second grade and he would put the seat of the, of the down and kneel in front of it and use it like a desk. Mm-hmm. And he would draw. So his back is to the platform. But the whole time, he, you know, like if the pastor said something funny, he would laugh. Mm. If the pastor said, so he's you know, listening. take a look at the screen, he would turn and look. And I was always fascinated because he totally looked so disconnected. But he heard what was going on and it was filtering in. And, you know, I'll never, one time, I don't even remember what the pastor said, but he said something, and Mateo muttered, that's not true, <laughs> under his breath, <laughs> you know, so he really was engaging the service, even though it looked like he wasn't, Yeah. and I, I think sometimes we underestimate what our kids can do. Mm-hmm. Will they love every worship service? Probably not, but I mean, to be honest, as an adult, maybe you don't love every worship service either, you know, so yeah. I, I just... Um, I implore all of us to stick with it and to really work to incorporate our elementary kids. Parents, don't be afraid to bring them and learn how to do that hour together well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you need help, if you need resource or coaching on that, that's what I'm here for. So I'm yeah. happy happy to come alongside people. Well, I know some parents are concerned about like, oh, my kid's not quiet. They're at an age where they're, you know, they're a baby and they cry or whatever. Yeah. And I know they think that that's maybe disruptive. But for me, when I'm on stage, whether I'm preaching or doing announcements, and I hear a young kid, I'm just glad they're there. Yeah. I, I'm not thrown off. I'm not upset that that's happening. I'm just like this is what talking to a family with a family works yeah. looks like yeah. and like that's normal so if your kids aren't 100% quiet yeah that's okay I think we just need to let go of that standard they're not wired to be that way I don't no. know we shouldn't expect it they can use an indoor voice and so that's maybe how you coach but um, yeah I just think it's beautiful and I think when kids aren't present in the service as adults we miss something they just carry a natural curiosity with them and a natural wonder um, that we don't hold on to as tightly as adults um, now that we're so mature, right? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But our kids have it, and they ask questions, and they notice things, and, and, it, and it can lead to really rich discussion in the car ride home or at the dinner table or wherever, it's, wherever it percolates up in their life. But 
man, it's, I just, I think it's worth it. Um, and that's why we made that change. That was one of those, you can do whatever you want to do. And I said, really, can I? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was one change I asked for. And um, Brad, Pastor Brad, very supportive of it. And I think as a whole, it seems the congregation has embraced it really well. But mm-hmm. if there are still some people who are like, I don't, I'm not sure I love this. Just, just keep going with us. Um, and yeah, I, I think the fruit is going to be worth it. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. So that's Sunday morning. So just to briefly recap Sunday mornings, we have grow hour with age appropriate classes for the kids, students, and then also options for adults, specifically with parenting and grandparenting as well in terms of doing family discipleship. That's right. So that's Sunday morning. And then... And then also I should say during the worship service, we do have nursery and preschool. So that's available as usual. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just the elementary kids that are in service. So that's Sunday mornings, and then we also, Wednesday evening is a big part of our fall programming or um, just programming throughout the year. And so this year we're doing something different that you've maybe heard us talk about, but we're doing Awana together. Yep. What is that? <laughs> what is and that thing? And why are we doing it? Because like, I didn't, yeah. like, I know Awana's been around for a long yeah, time, yeah. but like, I didn't grow up with that, so I don't really know what Awana is yeah. and what's Awana together. Yeah, so Awana is a, it's a kid's discipleship program. It's got a strong um, evangelism outreach um, component to it as well. Um, it's basically age, uh, again, age segregated. So there's a, a preschool uh, handbook and then um, younger elementary and older elementary. So older, older elementary meaning third through sixth grade, but at our church it'll be third through fifth. Um, and so there are books that they work through and the purpose of the books is just, um, you really, learning spiritual disciplines without realizing that's what you're doing. You're learning how to find things in your Bible, you're learning how to memorize scripture, learning how to pray, learning what it is that missionaries do and why they do it, uh, learning about why it's important to, to obey your parents. You know, like there's just a whole string, you're, you're memorizing the books of the Bible, um, and it's just in little bite-sized chunks as, as they learn and grow. And um, I think it's a great tool. Is it the only tool that you can do, use for discipleship? No, but I think it's a fantastic tool. Um, they also couple that handbook work with uh, real fun time in the gym, playing games and that kind of thing. We don't have a gym, but we'll simulate something. <laughs> um, and then a big group, you know, sort of a big group time as well. Uh, I, so the church that I was at, Plymouth Covenant, it, uh, is a church that has had Awana for over 25 years as a kids ministry. And um, as we were going through and, and finding this real gap or need to come alongside parents better and help them know what their role is in, in developing their kids' faith, we uh, tried a gazillion things, and I, that would be a whole separate podcast, but <laughs> the short of it is the only thing we didn't try to leverage was Awana, and we thought, well, what if? What if we did this? And so we tried it as a pilot, and then decided to move forward um, having Awana as a family ministry program, not a kids ministry program. Uh, we called it Family Awana and the pilot, and found that the word family was limiting, um, and so we changed it to Awana together. So we do Awana together is the idea and getting rid of that family just a, a word kind of opens it up like everybody mm-hmm. can come and be part of this thing so, so grandparents can come with their yeah. kids or guardians with foster kids yes. or whatever i had a nanny come with the kids she was nannying oh, wow. yeah so uh, whoever the the committed caregiver is mm-hmm. bringing the kids um kid kids plural um that's that's it so basically, um, they, they'll still do the handbooks, but they'll do most of that handbook work at home. Mm-hmm. In the kids program, they would have a team, and they would have a team leader, 
and when they came on Wednesday nights they would say their verses or, or uh, the work that they had to share in their book they would share it with their leader who would then sign off on their books what we do in Awana together is empower parents mm -hmm. or caregivers to be the leader so you work on in these books in your own time at home and when your kids are ready they say their stuff and if they've done it right you sign off on it and we do coach our parents on how to do that so mm -hmm. that they have some insight um, and so that mostly happens off-site, not mm -hmm. here in the building. So when they come on Wednesday night, we're going to start in the sanctuary, everybody all together. We're going to do um, some worship with some music videos because I'm not a musician and I can't lead live <laughs> music. <laughs> you wouldn't want me to. <laughs> but I thought I will coach us through the videos. They're fun. So we'll do a little bit of worship. Um, and that's great because it's a chance for kids to worship with their parents. And mm -hmm. we, we got that feedback from both our kids and our parents that they really liked that. Um, and then I, I, it's usually me, I, I teach a Bible story, mm -hmm. right, to the kids, purposefully to the kids. No apology. We're not trying to include the parents in this, but you're in the sanctuary listening in. The beauty of that is twofold. One, you get a chance to see what it is your kids are cognitively able to do and understand when it comes to scripture. Mm -hmm. So as I teach and the way that I teach shows you what what it looks like in the Sunday school classroom that you're not in because <laughs> you're in you yep. know, some other part of the building. Um, but on Wednesday night, you're there. And so parents are, are really getting sort of coached or mentored on how to share scripture with their kids right in, in, in live time. The other great benefit is it's a shared experience now. Mm -hmm. So versus Sunday school, I could tell you, oh, we did the story of David and Goliath, but you don't actually know what I taught. You don't actually know what your kids did or interacted. And maybe some of our kids share that information, but probably most of them don't when they go home. <laughs> yeah. um, but now you've had the shared experience that you can continue to talk about all week long, right? Mm -hmm. Your kid's going to ask a random question while you're standing at the bus stop. Someone's going to stall bedtime by <laughs> going back to Wednesday night. <laughs> it's beautiful. Embrace all of it. But it, but you know, when your kids ask that question then about, well, how come David was so young and he had to fight this big giant? You heard the story too. Mm -hmm. And so now you can engage. And if you happen to be someone who hasn't grown up with a Bible background, maybe your parents didn't go to church, you didn't go to church, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. right? You're on ground zero with your kids learning right alongside them. And these handbooks um, you can pick up and use. You don't have to have any prior knowledge of Jesus or the Bible or anything to participate in this ministry. That's why I think it's so brilliant. And so um, anyway, we'll do that big group time the teaching and then we do 45 minutes of age-specific programming so our preschoolers will go to the preschool room they'll get their own Bible teaching with puppets and so it's super fun like who doesn't like a puppet um, side note my uh, maybe you know previous church the church I grew up in we had the church was called community of joy but um, for fifth and sixth graders for a few years the Wednesday night programming was a ministry called puppets of joy oh. where we got taught how to like do puppetry with like the oh, whole thing and we'd so Kevin's prepare little skits on I day. have not done this in years <laughs> like literally the only thing I remember is like your um your hand opens for the mouth yeah. once for every syllable oh that's how you well, most see. accurately that's more do than that. I do yeah but well now you know here's, here's I've transferred all my knowledge preschoolers don't don't even, like don't even care. Like, oh, yeah, you don't even have notice. to have the pretense of hiding behind something. You can just have the puppet on your hand. Oh, yeah. They'll yeah. go with it. Yeah. So anyway, they'll get their uh, age-appropriate Bible story teaching. Um, same thing with our elementary kids. They're actually going to get a mix of sometimes it'll be a game, games and activity, you know, sort of more active activities. In some weeks, it'll be like a craft or a science project or something like that. So it'll be sort of a mixed bag of um, just spending time with their peers and, um, and having fun. 
and then the parents will stay in the sanctuary parents grandparents all the adults and um, we'll just do some encouraging and equipping we'll find out at the beginning of the year what you guys want help on where you want some resource where you want some encouragement and we'll put some talks behind that and um, and yeah and there'll be some Wednesdays when we won't have anything that we present to parents instead we'll have the cafe open you can go on and get some snacks and a cup of coffee and sit and socialize or if you need a moment by yourself you can stay in the sanctuary and be introverted I don't mind those nights are, are for you guys so um, I think there's a good balance there because uh, at the end of a long work day sometimes it is hard to receive content mm-hmm. so I'm very much aware of that and uh, we'll be gentle with you I promise <laughs> um, and then at the very end of the night for like 10 minutes we bring all the kids back into the sanctuary kind of reconvene our family groups and do um, sort of a sending out or a blessing before they go if we've taught anything during the parent time like how to pray with your kids or how to bless your kids will actually build that into the closing and mm. parents will get a chance to to put that that idea into practice right away. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful when we did the blessings at Plymouth. Um, it was really the parents who were supposed to say blessing over their kids, but what happened then was all the kids turned around and said blessings over their parents. Oh wow. And I was like, what is happening? And like I'm on stage <laughs> crying cuz honestly it was so it was so moving yeah. to see like these preschoolers grab their parents' faces. <laughs> and, the Lord bless you, you know, <laughs> like yelling at him. And it was, they so were like cute. so in earnest. And anyway, so it's all practical. It's all usable right here, right now. You don't have to come in with a theology background for any of it. Um, and if you can't make it every week, nobody's going to shame you for that. We surely would love you every Wednesday. You're going to get some natural breaks. We don't meet at MEA week. We don't meet over the holidays. You know, those kinds of things. So there really is kind of a nice rhythm to mm-hmm. what we do on Wednesday night as well. And that's it. It's 6.15 to 7.45. Um, and you can register on uh, on the church website or I think through Faith Connect you could also register. Mm-hmm. There is a cost. It's not, um, it's, I think, fairly minimal for a year-long program. And it really just helps us break even on the cost of the books and the vests and the, and the awards that go with the verses that kids are are uh, memorizing um, but if money's an issue just say Let so we have scholarships full or partial whatever you need we will make it free <laughs> if you, yep. uh, you know and if you want to just come and try it out without registering first people can do that as well if you're if you're like have a hard time committing to things <laughs> there's so many of us out here <laughs> so yep. uh, just come and check it out come by yourself come with your kids and if you like what you see then you can register I'm okay with that too so mm-hmm. We're really here to come alongside families. And I, and it's interesting because in the surveys that I've read recently, uh, a lot of families don't think of the church as a resource. But we are. We're, we're, we're a resource for you, for your family, for your kids in so many ways. And I wish more people were aware um, of that and took advantage of the partnerships that we can offer. So anyway, Wanda together. I, I, I'm a little bit biased because I designed the program, but <laughs> I think it's a fantastic program. I really do. And we, our families at Plymouth sure enjoyed it and we got good feedback. And so anyway. One, what I'm hearing is, you know, we talk on our, on our podcast about discipleship being with God, with others, with God's word. And mm-hmm. this is all three of those things yes. wrapped in one, but for families, yes. for adults and kids to kind of do this together. Yeah. Um, Cause I think sometimes when we talk about discipleship, 
we just inherently think of adults doing it because the scripture is all stories of Jesus mostly interacting with adults yeah. and discipling yeah, adults. So we don't always think of what does that look like to do that with kids? But Jesus right. also said, let the kids come to me. Yes. You know, Jesus was very much focused on, yeah. no, the kids should be here right now. Yeah. And what we're doing with kids um, when they're younger is so important. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just the... There are two big periods of brain development, one's in the preschool years, one's in the middle school, high school years, where your brain is just going crazy, making connections and, and everything. So those are windows of opportunity for teaching and for leading. And what we have found is most people come to faith between the ages of four and 14, but if they're gonna walk away from faith, they do it before age 18. Mm. So in these, in these early childhood years, when kids are a more receptive audience, and, and um, easier um, bec- to lead in some ways, which is both a privilege and scary at the same time. Um, you know, we can introduce them to Jesus, but to get them to hold on to Jesus, well, that's mm. where what happens in the middle school, high school years is so important. So if you've built this good foundation as a family, you're in a position to help them through those questioning years that come in middle school and high school and really wrestle with the faith they've been given to, up to that point and make it their own. That's the disconnect. If kids don't have that space to make the faith their own, they will walk away because why would they stay? Mm-hmm. So that's the work that we all get to do and we're all called to it in the Bible. Everybody, whether you have kids or not, it is as adults, it is our responsibility to raise the next generation for Christ. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's in everybody all in. So, yeah. Yeah. And part of what I'm hearing you talk about too is just kind of how this in some ways challenges the role of the church versus the role of the family in spiritual formation of a kid Um, because I think I grew up in a generation and I think many of us did where church programming for kids was teaching you Bible stories and that's good and we do do that but what you're talking is a step further of getting the families involved or the parents or the caregivers involved in saying we're all in this together we're helping you to teach the faith we're helping you disciple when we're not here when your kids aren't here yeah I can give you an example of that. Um, it was uh, Kara Paul and um, some other people at Fuller Institute years ago came up with the sticky faith idea. Are you familiar with it? I think I've read one of the books. I think I might <laughs> looking have at one of them back there um, The idea is that in addition to parents, um, by the time your kids are in middle school, high school, you want them to have five other Christian adults around them hmm. that have like some kind of significant relationship. Um, and to be intentional about that, like as parents who, who are... What other adults can I get involved in the life of my children? Could be grandparents, could be a coach, could be a Sunday school teacher, a pastor. I mean, there's so many people to choose from. Yep, for sure, all of that. Um, And that happened for my kids. They had confirmation mentors growing up. They had small group leaders in middle school. They had small group leaders in high school. They had favorite Sunday school teachers from when they were younger. Um, They had our worship arts pastor, just like she didn't have her own children. And so she just poured into my kids. And she kept a basket of goodies in her office, which, you know, was like a magnet for children. But all, all of it, you know. And um, when Emma uh, hit college, she had a, a season in the spring when she just was really overwhelmed. She had a lot of stuff that was due. She was fighting migraine headaches and just having a really hard, hard time. And she reached out to her five, mm-hmm. actually six. Oh. Um, she sent an email to these women. Overachievers, six. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And she sent this email to these women and she copied me on it, which is how I know that she sent it. 
um, saying, hey, this is happening in my life this week and I really could use your prayers. And and then I got to watch these women respond to her, mm-hmm. you know, and, and encourage her and actually type out prayers in their response and uh, give her scripture verses and then check back in on her like a week or two weeks later. How are you doing? How did how did that test go? Yeah. And I just was like, that's that's it. This is it. Yep. That, like that's what you want. <laughs> you want your kid when when they step out of your home to know that they've got you to fall back on. But they've got some other people too. Yeah. And that was just a a beautiful, real tangible example of that when I saw that happen for her. And again, it was her confirmation mentor, her middle school small group leader, her high school small group leader, this worship arts pastor, and a couple others. So so great. Yeah. No, that's so that's what the church can do. We can come alongside your kids, we can come alongside your family. Um, We can help make sense of it all. We can help equip you when you feel like you're like, don't have enough we can fill in the gap when you feel like you don't know what you're doing we can help you feel like you know what you're doing when you're like i am not adequate i could say actually you are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it says it right here in the bible yeah. you know so um that we need that right we need yeah. each other well and part of what you're saying too is kind of it, it's a challenge to me because i don't have kids but you know hearing you just kind of reminds me that that doesn't mean i'm exempt from helping raise the next generation. Right. I'm absolutely a part of that. Yeah, well, you're a super involved uncle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do I do have nine people. nieces and nephews. <laughs> so yes, I, I, I do pour into them as much as yeah. I can. Um, but even still, like, I still have a role in caring for the children yes. of this church, even though yes. I'm not a parent. Well, and I tell people, whatever your gifts are, I can use them in children's ministry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and that's not a lie. And that's because children's ministry is kind of like a church within a church mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of the type of people you need to make it go well. Um, and so even if you don't love being one-on-one with kids, there's still stuff to do, right? Yeah. And um, if you're good at welcoming people, check in desk, you know, make people feel welcome when they come in and give kids the name tag labels and set them off. And it, there's just there's just something there, there there's craft prep during the week there's events you know one-off events during the year you can say hey raise your hand and say i want to be a part of that um and it doesn't matter how old you are sometimes the older we get the more we discount ourselves from serving in ministry that's not that's not a thing no i don't know why i make it a thing but we don't need to um and even if you're struggling with mobility issues or other challenges there are still ways that we can involve you in the lives of our kids and families in meaningful oh, ways, yeah. right? Yeah. And the prayer life, right? Just to surround all of it, bathe all of it in prayer. That's a, a great big deal too. So it is, it's an all-in thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. all in. And I like it. Well, I remember a couple from my the church I had growing up where their grandkids lived further away from them and our grandparents lived further away from us. So they kind of just became our adoptive yeah, yeah. grandparents for a while. And that was amazing. Yeah. And, you know, it's so great to have those kinds of relationships in the church. Yeah. Where yeah. else do you yeah. get that? Well, my kids' friends, you know, even through college, high school and college, have, like, adopted my parents as their grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. You know, it is. You could just show up. My dad's 81, teaches middle school Sunday school for his church, mm-hmm. and has done for years. Yeah. Right? He loves it. So, yeah, I just, I think if God's gifted you um, in any way, you know, it's our job to use our gifts for the kingdom, and it, it can be done in so many different ways and so we can help you find your sweet spot um whether it's in children's ministry or someplace else in the church there's just there's kingdom work to be done all right my last question for you today is what is your hope for children's or family ministry 
here at Faith's Covenant, either short-term, long-term, whatever you want to, however you want to interpret that. <laughs> mm. You know, this is tricky. Uh, we are a numbers-driven society. Yeah. Um, and so we quickly measure things in numbers. And we say something successful if this many people showed up for it. Or you know, it would be tempting to look at children's ministry and say, you know, it's successful if we have this many kids in our classrooms. Um, I think COVID has shown us the error of that thinking. Mm. Um, it, is a, it is a useful metric to some extent, but the more useful one is the depth of the relationships that we're helping to foster. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, the statistic of so many kids abandoning their faith you know, in their upper high school, early college years. Um, how do we stop that, right? Yeah. Well, we stop that by really um, investing in these deeper relationships and doing it together as a family of faith. And so that's really my hope is that we just continue to, this church ha- has a, I don't know, there, there's a quality to the people here that I've seen in the year and a half I've been here um, that I really appreciate. And there's so much support for kids and youth um, and, and across the generations, mm. right? It's not just the parents of those children who are fans of them, but it, it's, it's other people too. And, um, you know, when you're in the sanctuary and you make some announcement about kids and people clap, <laughs> you know, like, yep. oh, you're with me, you know, and it's just, I don't know. I, I, we've got something that's worth giving away. Mm. Um, I'm actually going to talk about this in, in my sermon on the 11th. Um, but, but it is just, uh, I don't know. We shouldn't be quiet about what we're doing. We should be telling people. And, and as we tell people, we will grow. Um, and so that, that is a hope, right? Mm-hmm. You want to see the growth. We do want to see the growth numerically because that means we're bringing more people into the kingdom. So that's, that is a real thing. But even more than that, I want to grow in the right ways. I don't want to just grow in numbers where we're entertaining people that will allow them to ride on the surface and then fall away from faith when something more interesting pops up or whatever. But to really be foundational and, um, and get those deep, deeper relationships and understanding of who God is, who we are, and, and, and what he wants us to do in his world. You know, mm-hmm. and kids are capable of understanding that, oh, yeah. right? You don't have to wait until you're 18 or 22 to have that conversation. And, uh, you know, with elementary kids, especially middle school kids, um, they love putting their faith into action. And so when we give opportunities for that, that just cements all of this stuff that we're trying to, to do together. So when I think about the future, it is growth, but it's not just numerical growth. It, more than that, it's the depth of mm-hmm. our relationships with one another and our relationship with God. When I just when I think of our, our church's mission statement of being disciples who make disciples, I think that's most clearly encapsulated mm-hmm. in children's ministry because you have parents or caregivers who are the disciples who are making disciples with their children or their kids they're caring for and like that's it it in a nutshell (laughs) yeah well you look at the great commission and it talks about you know go and teach all the nations well if we jump over our children to get to the nations (laughs) we've kind of missed something really important Right. right so we it's it's from here out it's not here jump there it's everyone you encounter is the nations and if you look at the Hebrew translation of that word, it really is like nations is like everybody. Yeah. It's all inclusive. And so our kids certainly belong in that mm-hmm. word and and just man, just getting in there with them and 
they're so naturally evangelistic too. Yeah. Like they'll, they'll talk to their friends about Jesus. They'll, they just don't have the same barriers in place, most of them, yeah. um, that, that we learn to put in place as adults. And uh, so it's, it's just a beautiful time mm-hmm. to invest in them and come alongside them and release them to do uh, what God has so uniquely gifted them to do. And all of that curiosity, all of that wonder helps us to see things in fresh ways too, which we really need. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm very grateful that you're serving in this role. We love having Sarah on staff. She's just a bright light for all of us. And we're just very thankful to have her and we're thankful to have her today on the podcast. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It was just an honor to talk about things that I love. Yeah. Well, just one last reminder, so, well, probably a couple, um, but our children's Sunday morning program launches on September 18th, Yep. and then the Wednesday night program launches on September 28th, correct? Uh, yes. Yes. That is correct. So those are two very important dates. Um, you don't have to register for the Sunday morning stuff, nope. um, but we would like registration for the Sunday or the Wednesday programming. And again, yeah. if cost is an issue, let us know. We'll get you in the door. Don't worry. Yeah. So. And, um, you know, the Awana program comes with little uh, uniforms. So, so, like, the younger kids have vests that they wear and the older elementary kids have T-shirts. Um, if you're concerned about size and you happen to order the wrong one, we can make an exchange on Wednesday night and make sure yeah. you've got And they should be good for a couple of years um, yeah. as your kids grow. So um, the uniform expense will be a one-time thing this year. Handbooks might be every year, depending on how quickly your kids move through. So, All right. Anyway. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sarah, for thank being you. with us today. And thank you all for listening or watching. And we hope you have a great week. Yeah. Thanks. Bye.